0: Tonight is study number 14 of Genesis chapter 1. And we're reading verses 11 through 13. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit. Whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Now, in our last study, we spent some time looking up the word grass, and the word herb, and we could do the, the same thing with uh, fruit and, and fruit tree, and seed, and we will spend some time looking up the word seed because that's a very uh, important word in the Bible. Well, every word is important, but seed um, especially has um, instruction for us that is very helpful, and in, in teaching us about God's salvation program. And what we see is that even in the beginning of the creation, as God is bringing forth the vegetation, the the green plants. The green things of the earth that he is picturing his gospel program. We saw as we looked up the word grass and herb that when we went to Deuteronomy 32, God's doctrine drops as the rain, the small rain upon the tender herb, there's showers upon the grass, and, and we, we saw in a few places how the latter rain is mentioned in connection with the grass and that's all picture of God's program of salvation, of evangelization, His program to save His people. And let's just remind ourselves how God typifies His gospel program using the illustration of planting seeds and, and of growing wheat and tares and so forth. Um, Let's go to Matthew 13 and verse 24. I'll start reading there. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field, from whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then uh, with the explanation of that parable, um, in verse 36, Then Jesus sent the multitude away, and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. And it goes on. So Christ speaks a parable and he speaks of a field and sowing seed and wheat comes forth and tares come forth and, and it all represents something. It all pictures something. It all is a type and a figure of a spiritual truth of God's salvation program. Well, yes, someone might say, but Uh, That's a parable. Of course, it has another meaning, a spiritual meaning. And it's different if you're reading some other uh, part of the Bible that's not given as a parable. Well, uh, is that true? No, it's not true. It's not true. God expects the reader of the Bible to look for the deeper spiritual meaning. And Christ speaking in parables is a means of instructing us on how to understand the whole Bible because He is the Word. The Word made flesh. And the Word spoke in parables and without a parable, the Word did not speak. And and that's how we have to approach the Word of God, the Bible. Looking for the parabolic meaning. Now, Let's go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 5. It says in verse 1, Now I will sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My beloved hath a vineyard and a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, And built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard, what could have been done more to my vineyard, that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes, and now go to... I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain upon it. For the vineyard of Jehovah of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry. There in the Old Testament, God doesn't say, now I'm going to speak a parable, but he describes Israel, he describes Judah as a vineyard that brought forth wild grapes or or stinking grapes, grapes with a stench. And... What does God do? He destroys the vineyard. Now, of course, in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke other parables concerning a vineyard, and and there was a uh, the parable in Matthew chapter twenty-one that is very similar to Isaiah chapter five, but different. In Matthew twenty-one, it says in verse thirty-three. Here another parable there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round the belt and digged the winepress in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country and when the time of the fruit drew near he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it and the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another again he sent other servants more than the first, than they did unto them likewise. But last of all he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir, Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. See, this is similar to Isaiah 5, but different, because here the vineyard is not destroyed. He destroys those wicked men, but he turns the vineyard over to other husbandmen, Who render fruits in their seasons. And so in Matthew 21, Christ is speaking a parable of, uh, or against national Israel, that it's God's plan to destroy them and then to take the vineyard that they had care of and to turn it over to other husbandmen, which would be the caretakers of the New Testament churches and congregations. But back in Isaiah, in chapter 5, the vineyard is destroyed. And and there, the deeper spiritual meaning, the parabolic meaning of Isaiah 5, is God's plan to destroy the church that took over that vineyard after Israel had killed the husbandman's son, They did not reverence him but killed him because that's what Israel did with Christ. And yet in Isaiah 5, there's no mention of a son being killed. There's no mention of turning over the vineyard because Isaiah 5 is is picturing the corporate church that God destroys at the end of the church age. And the church age ended May 21, 1988. But again... Uh, here I read from Matthew 21, from Isaiah chapter 5, from Matthew 13, with the parable of the sowing seed. And we could have read earlier in Matthew 13, where God likens the uh, sending forth of his word, the Bible, to sowing seeds upon various types of ground, as the word falls upon the hearts of men. It's all pictures and types and figures. Also in John 15, in John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. That's Lord Jesus who's speaking. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And we see in that passage how Jesus says he is the true vine, the Father is the husbandman, and then he likens his people to branches, that is, those that abide in him and those that do not. They're like withered branches. And uh, it, this is the language of the Bible. This is how we we must Read the Bible. We have to take all these things into account. That seed is likened to the Word. That um, Christ to a vine, the Father to a husbandman, the sower. It said in Matthew 13 is the Son of Man, and the field is the world, and and so forth. Uh, look what it says in James 5. And in verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold the husbandman, who's the husbandman? According to John 15, the Father. I am the true vine, my Father is the husbandman. And does that fit this verse? Um, Behold the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. It fits perfectly. God is waiting for the precious fruit. And when we study and and examine what is the precious fruit, it is the elect, those that God has saved. And the rain, the early and latter rain, God patiently waits uh, uh, for the fruit. Until the rains fall because the rains produce the crop. We know in the world that God has established in his creation, uh, this is the order of things. This is how uh, he has uh, created things to be. And in that creation that we see all around us, like today, for instance, uh, where I'm at uh, in Pennsylvania, it's raining. And in the rain pictures, uh, in its season, early rain, latter rain, my doctrine shall fall as the dew, and as the small rain upon the tender grass. Or, as God says in Isaiah 55, another Old Testament book that is not declared to be a parable in this chapter where God says in verse 10 of Isaiah 55, For as the rain, as Jesus would say, the kingdom of heaven is like, for like the rain, or as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And who's the sower? The Son of Man. The rain gives seed to the Son of Man. Christ is the sower, the Son of Man. And the rain, it says in verse 10, says, for as the rain cometh down, verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and shall prosper in the thing, whereto I sent it. My word is like the rain, and as the rain falls and waters the earth, and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. That is, seed... Christ is seed singular, but we are in him, and the the rain gives seed to Christ. Or the word of God, typified by the rain, gives seed, the elect, to the sower, the Lord Jesus Christ. And is there any other way to read the Bible and study the Bible? Oh yes, there's numerous ways, isn't there? There, there's all kinds of books on hermeneutics, and and uh, theologians have all kinds of theories and and uh, ways of coming to what they believe is truth in the Bible, and yet, how can a theologian or a pastor, uh, um, an elder, a deacon, or a teacher of any kind come to the Bible and study the Bible? and you read the history, and you you uh, analyze the grammar, and you look for the morality uh, declaration, and you leave off the spiritual meaning. How can you read, for instance, as we're reading in Genesis 1, and God said, now that's the word of God, and what did God say in Isaiah 55? that his word is like the rain. God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth a grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And how can anyone that is studying the Bible in any serious way, diligent way, not search these words and see how each one leads to the gospel, how grass leads to the gospel, herb and seed and fruit, Each one, it it doesn't matter which word you pick in that verse, each one leads to scriptures where God speaks of the rain and the latter rain and the early rain and, and the fruit that comes forth. And if you're thorough, and you don't have to be completely thorough, but if you're thorough enough to check the New Testament, you have all the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ that are just full of, references to analogies of vineyards and and sowing and so forth and and tying it in with the gospel and, and it, it this is one of the easier things for anyone to see because Jesus explained in his parables the kingdom of heaven is like and there's a vineyard and so forth and and yet this is why there's a just, just an awful famine, even before God ended the church age. During the time of the church age, there were many churches that were wooden and, and dead because they just taught the plain, literal meaning, the natural things of the Bible. The natural things, like, like you're teaching uh, an, an English course and you, you have an English textbook and, and you're just teaching what's written there and yet the Bible is so far above the books of men and, and it is full of depths of wisdom, of buried treasure that must be investigated and must be dug into with pickaxe and shovel we have to study the Bible and uh, and compare Scripture with Scripture. And, and we find just uh, enormous treasure that opens up as God um, teaches us in verse after verse after verse. His gospel program. Now, sometimes we may not be able to find it or to learn it um properly or, or we don't understand something and that's okay. We're, we're very limited creatures, very limited creatures, finite with, with, uh, small minds, uh, little tiny insect size minds and, and sometimes it's right before our eyes and we don't see it and all we can do is is recognize that admit that and say well I just don't understand this verse um, and I'm praying for wisdom I'll continue to study but I don't understand it so let's move on and and we go to another verse and of course always holding in reserve the right to go back to that verse well okay we'll we'll stop here today it, it's um just a uh, a good thing to look at the growing season as God speaks of it in the Bible. It's really um, a very widespread throughout all the scripture from the beginning through the end as God speaks of his salvation program in association with times and seasons and harvest.